Ring ring. Ring ring. Ring ring. Dzień dobry. Hello? Jak tam? Hello, who is this? Uh, this is Danger. Who are you? Danger. Oh. What's up, Danger? Get the Spider-Verse burger at Burger King right now with the beet red bun and Swiss cheese that David hates. For $17? Are you shitting me? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> me when we got home, me and Haley looked it up on DoorDash. How much is yeah. like the Whopper thing? It was seventeen dollars. Who's that? Red forty, bro. You must be out of your goddamn mind, Burger King. <laughs> it's a science experiment. They can't just charge regular price for that. Unreal. Absolutely not. I'm not getting it. <laughs> um. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Too Bad We Didn't Get Into Cars podcast. Uh, I'm Nick Scrappin Auto, and I'm totally not sick right now. Your soy capucha cars. And this is officially episode 31 of the podcast. We recorded a couple episodes within the last month and a half, two months, that... Uh, just kind of shit themselves. Sound like death. Sound like death. <laughs> um, and uh, but we, we're gonna go back and we're gonna try to redo one of them because we had a, it was a special, it was a special episode. So maybe we can save that for episode forty or something when the season changes over. Or I guess that would be forty-one. Anyway, um, we have both been up to some some cool some cool things as as of late. Um, we, uh, so while, while you go ahead and, and start, I forgot, uh, I forgot my, my, I forgot uh, my daughter. Um, did you also I, forget the car? No, no, I have, I have, I have a car. We just gotta, we just, we just, all right. Oh, I'll, um, I'll be back. Oh God. I'm here now. Uh, because here? I moved back to my old house temporarily because we are babysitting two dogs and plus our dog, we have three battles in oh. the house and oh. it's kind of a nightmare because oh god, two, they're all pretty much lunatics in their own way and yeah, it's just, it's fun. So I'm back in this old room that I grew up in and everything's blank, everything's gone all I have is this like shitty stereo that like hasn't worked. I mean, it works, but it's kind of messed up. And um, yeah, I, band also just recorded. We did our second day in the studio, so our EP is about uh, halfway done. And uh, I, I bet you all my money, our EP is gonna come out before Nick's album. Hey, guarantee you it. Save that. You got yeah. Save that money to record. Bro. Guarantee it, bro. Don't bet that money, because you're going to lose it. You're going to lose that money. <laughs> oh, yeah? I don't know. Maybe. Um, that's very cool. I missed literally everything you said because I was sprinting to the daycare where I dropped off our lovely co-host, Vanessa, my baby daughter, baby girl, who had to go without her father for roughly I also got my own co-host. We have Charmander in the house. Oh, my God. 
who who has been absolutely devastated by my three lunatics all three of them yeah yeah they go they go ham on him but it's fine this charmander dude is so this motherfucker's like 15 years old i have i have another one i don't care he's old he's time to go sent him to the grave (laughs) okay well you know what it sounds like you guys had a rocky relationship anyway so it's it's about time it's about time um but very cool so you're gonna you're gonna have to get used to that setting for david uh is watching him in a new a new room um i am in the same old room unfortunately but for a while for a while there i wasn't I, I was I was on tour. Uh, I was in a lot of shitty hotels and motels, and not a single Holiday Inn. So, Pitbull, if you're out there, next time sponsor my tour, please. Sponsor my tour. That's the one thing that I didn't get to experience while I was out on the road. Uh, and it was fun. And it was very cool. We went to, we being just just me, uh, stole a little a vacation, if you will. We went to Cincinnati, Columbus, Pittsburgh. Memphis, Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago, and Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And I have to say the state after Sheboygan because I feel like that's not as famous of a city all as right. the other. So out of all those places, which city sucked the most? Listen, I am very grateful for each and every opportunity that I got to experience on my tour. And I'm grateful to every single person who came out to see me and who performed with me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm beating around the bush here uh, because it's Pittsburgh. I, I, I did not I did not love Pittsburgh <laughs> because, you know what, I think it was – I was so thrown off because that was the most <laughs> – we're going to edit that out. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm too lazy. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Um, and I'm too – healthy to be coughing like that so i don't know where where that came from um it was just it was the most eastward city on the entire tour and as i was driving through as i was driving through um pennsylvania i i was oh first of all i was like am i gonna go to philadelphia just to say that i went to philly i didn't go to philadelphia i didn't go out of my way um to see if it was always sunny there or if that was just like a, you know, a rumor. But, um, there were straight up whole cities and like towns off the highway, like on mountains and on hills. And they were all elevated, which freaked me out because I'm so used to flatlands and plains and being able to, being able to, to stand on equal, equal footing everywhere I go. And, then I went to downtown Pittsburgh, which was having some sort of event. There were live bands and food trucks and blah, blah, blah. But even then, it was still very, like, it's a steel, it's a steel city. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they, they produce a lot of steel in that city, for as, as far as I know. Um, and so there was a lot of construction happening and just, like, empty plots of land where buildings used to be, but they didn't clear the land so it was just still like demolished buildings um and uh 
Yeah, and it was also really hard to navigate because a lot of the I'm very dumb and I I I could I could follow Google Maps just fine, but a lot of the the buildings that I walked past were part of plazas or or they were they were not marquees, but they were all the same building basically, but they were just split off by walls. So all of the signs on the outside were indicating what the door underneath it led to but i couldn't find my way to this coffee shop that i that i said i wanted to go to so i was just like f it i'm just gonna drive down to i'm just gonna drive drive over to cincinnati and so i did but with that being said i love cincinnati so much it's it also helped that my high school valedictorian shout out jake (laughs) um we uh he took me on a tour around the city and being the valedictorian that he is gave me tour info and, and historical information, every stop in the city that we went to. It, it very much, it feels like, it feels like Chicago or any big city junior. Cause it is a, it's a big city with big buildings and stuff, but you could walk around the entire city in like an afternoon, you know? At least the perimeter of the city. So it was very nice. There were parts of it that were on the water. They had free public transportation. Shout out City Bus. And they also had a really good coffee shop, which I couldn't drink any coffee at because I blew up my voice the third day on tour and couldn't sing for a couple of days there, which feels very ironic considering that the only reason I was there was to sing. So, yeah. And then it turns out that I didn't blow out my voice, strictly blow out my voice. I actually started getting sick right before the day before tour uh, because I felt a little itch in my throat. And I was like, ah, it's probably nothing. And then as it got worse and worse, as colds do, I just powered through it because I was like, I'm not going to. What am I going to not do these shows? So it was probably best that I went alone because I can't imagine how miserable that would have been. If there were two sick people just driving around the Midwest, coughing on everybody. Um, so how back home. many miles did you drive? Did you keep track? I wrote it all down in um, my notes app. I think it was somewhere around like 1,250 miles. Wow. Yeah, because every every city was roughly about like two hundred something miles, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a lot, but definitely definitely I I would say worth the experience, if just for the fact that I got to say hi to a lot of people that I knew from college or high school, and everyone that I performed with was so nice and talented and. All of the audience members were great, but I realized I don't think I can do this again anytime soon. Not because I couldn't like physically or mentally handle it. I just straight up don't have enough music out there. I don't have enough music to be like, hey, listen to this new thing that I just put out. Because the latest thing that I released was a Christmas EP that sounds like shite and the biggest latest thing was my EP that I put out two years ago that only has three songs, four if you include the acoustic version of High. So 
It felt it felt silly. Get this going damn to the thing out there, bro. Cough up some dough. Go to your guy. Be like, hey, <laughs> let's go. Oh shit! I got some dough. Sorry, you told me to cough. And I was making a joke. I was making a money joke. This is what happens when we haven't been podcasting for a month. We, you know, we gotta sharpen our edges. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta be razor sharp. Where's this car at, man? Uh, it's in, it's been in my hand the whole time. So this is the most Spider-Man-y car that I could find because spoilers. We're talking about probably what's gonna go down in history as one of the best sequels ever made. Um, this is the let's see the year here. 2015 Mazda MX-5 Miata. Let's check that shit out. You see that? Huh? You're focusing? I don't think they're focusing, David. Well, that, that's, what, that's what it is for you. It's very red. It's very red and sporty. So I was like, eh, it looks like, looks like Spider-Man. Just get it closer in front of the camera. If only we got the the the, the Jeep, the Spider-Man Jeep that was in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Also, it, considering it's the first thing we're talking about today, and it's this is probably the quickest that we've ever jumped onto a release of something. By the time this episode comes out, uh, spoilers for Across the Spider Verse, which God, that, that's pr- pretty much going to be this whole conversation is just is just spoilers yeah so um so for anyone who doesn't know across the spider-verse is the sequel to the 2018 movie uh into the spider-verse which was one of the most surprising releases of that year and went on to inspire so many animation studios and animators and directors because of its super unique art style and embracing of the animation medium as a whole and just letting characters stretch and spin and move in ways that all of the photorealistic Pixar and DreamWorks movies had tried to stick to that style for decades. And, um, yeah, just as the name suggests, we're, we're going across the Spider-Verse. So you get to see a lot more Spider-People. You get to see a lot more villains from different universes. And not only is it a great exploration of the Spider-Verse as a whole, because we get to go to like six different universes, I think. Um, it is, I would say, primarily a, a very, a, a better look, an in-depth look at multiple characters in, in the story. Primarily Gwen and Miles. We get a little bit of like Peter B. Parker, get a little bit of Miguel O'Hara, but it's primarily the two lead characters and I've heard a couple of people describe the movie this way, but it's, it's, it is a character study, essentially, of a bunch of characters and their motivations to function how they function within the larger narrative. And, uh, you know, like any good Spider-Man story, you have to ask yourself, what am I doing this for? What am I doing with my powers? What is my responsibility? And how do I juggle all of that while also... Being a regular teen. So how do you indeed? Um, very, very poorly. I I would say this this movie goes <laughs> balls to the wall with the family drama, uh, with uh, so many characters. 
Um, because that's that's the main thing, right? Like as a superhero, but as Spider-Man specifically, you got to protect the people around you. But the main, the point that this movie tries to drive home about being Spider-Man is that the job itself is not being able to save everybody because people have to die in order for you to come into your own and fully realize your power and responsibility. So, um, so I feel like this movie is setting up a lot of really, really, really sad moments (laughs) for the third film, um, involving miles and his father. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not excited for that, but I am excited for everything else. Um, for, I think, I think we should gotta, we gotta, we just gotta like split this into sections. Cause I, I would just, I think I, I would just talk about this for too long if given the choice. Okay. So what do you want to talk about first? Um, I think I like the first one more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be one of those. Um, I think okay. it's mainly because I like the side characters more than the other one. Okay. Because you had the the pig was fantastic. Spider Noir was amazing. Yeah. B Parker was in that one a lot more. This one, like, I didn't care for Spider Punk or Indian Spider Man or really anyone else. I was just like, I don't know. These are not nearly as good as the people before. Mm. And, um,. Also, that whole idea of, okay, he needs to lose someone in order to blah, blah, blah. He already did. Uncle Aaron. Yeah. He lost him in the other one, and that was that fucked him up, and that was, like, his thing. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't think his dad needs to die, either. I, I, think, I, I think, think he already went through that. I think that's going to be something that they touch on in the next movie, is, like, the same realization that they had about how... Miles is an anomaly because his universe wasn't supposed to have a Spider-Man or whatever. Or his universe already had a Spider-Man. So it's, it's very much like like the butterfly effect, or in this case, I've seen people call it the bagel effect, where just one one small action requires a much bigger action, like a, a domino effect on the other side of the world or whatever. So... um. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that because Miles is a Spider-Man who wasn't supposed to be there, he deserves, like, two big fucking Uncle Ben moments. But he saw the future, and he saw that the spot was going to take away his, you know. But who knows? Maybe maybe that was in Universe 42, where his, his original spider came from. Maybe that's the... Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Fu- I don't I'm, fucking know. I'm also dude. mad. I'm mad. I'm pissed. I'm pissed as hell. Hold on. Unreal. They promised me Spider Man. They didn't give it to me. Oh. Either that, or he was just like way in the background where you couldn't even fucking see. Yeah. I'm mad. I, I mean, there, I don't blame you. There was like, uh, like uh, there's tons of videos people explaining all the Easter eggs in the movie or whatever, and yeah. this guy pointed like, "Oh, here's Japanese Spider Man," and I was like, "That's not him." The, the, the spider in the front was completely different. The arms were all blue. A totally different Spider-Man. It's like calling me uh, Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> totally different people. <laughs> so, I yeah. Fuck off. I don't know if it's... I don't, I don't know if it's... Fuck like off. They, 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 told, they, they told us. They told us, yeah. Spider-Man confirmed. The producer confirmed it. Like, yeah, is he going to be in this? Where? Are Where you was sure? He? Yeah. Yeah. 
There, there are fucking articles about, yeah, he's going to be in this ne next one. Doesn't exist. Or like I said, it's just, it's like a blink, you miss it. Because the, when they were doing that zoom out thing, like there were so many like little blurbs and it's like, I, I can't, I can't read any of that. It's going too fast. So that's like a frame by frame. You got to like go through it. Going too fast. But yeah, spot was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I think everyone thought he was just going to be like the meme in the beginning because a lot of movies have that, right. you know, Homecoming had that of like the, the guys in the bank. Wait right. a minute, you guys are the real Avengers. It's like if it's like if they ended up being like, you know, the big baddies. It's crazy. Right. You, you would never expect it. Well, and I never read any of the Spider-Man com like I'm not a comics person, so I I've never actually read any Marvel comics, but apparently the spot in most if not all of his appearances in the comics are specifically jokey. Like he's he's on par with like joke or uh, Big Wheel, you know, and like Frogman. Um where they're just like one note, one off. <laughs> I can't believe they actually had, they had typeface in this movie too. Typeface? Yeah. Who the fuck is typeface? Typeface. He just has like a bunch of letters all over him. I don't know what he does, but I remember, I remember Donkey making a joke about him, and then they actually put him in the movie. Oh God. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah, that is funny. But yeah, and so it, I it was actually pretty sick seeing all like the live action stuff, like Danny Glover yeah. coming in or. Uh, no, yeah, uh, Don Donald, Donald, Glover. Donald Glover coming in as like the prowler, yeah. like that's cool. Um, yeah, all, all like the the you know the Andrew Garfield showing up that scene and the that Uncle Ben from the Toby movies and yeah, uh, his friend playing the PS4 Spider Man game on his TV that was awesome. Right, that that actual Spider Man being in the movie was sick. Yeah, there was also the scene with him and um, not Aunt May. But there, there was a video game cutscene where did we see? We didn't see Uncle Ben die in PS4, did we? No. Okay, I'm trying to think of where that might have come from. But we saw Spectacular Spider-Man had way bigger of a role in this movie than I thought he would. Um, that was kind of the Spider-Man show that I grew up with. It was only two seasons long, twenty-something episodes, but a lot of people consider it the best animated Spider-Man TV show of all time. And like it was Spider-Man, that was cool. Yeah, apparently. Did you know that was that whole sequence was animated by a fourteen-year-old? I heard. Yeah, they just they they saw a video of theirs where they animated the trailer for the first Spider Verse movie all in Legos, and they saw that and they were like, "Yeah, we want to, we want we want to get this kid on board. We're we're gonna you know have them do a whole scene." That's cool. But yeah, despite me liking the first one, I don't want to seem like I didn't like this one. I mean, it was really good. Yeah. The, the like the. Like, the amount of color changes, like, especially when Gwen's talking to her dad. Yeah. It's like every every line has, like, a different look to it, and right. they all look really cool. It's like, almost like I, I was reading the... Uh, so, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they didn't direct this movie, I don't think. I think they just wrote it. Um, but they're still, like, the creative, like... They're like the Kevin Feige's, I guess, of this movie, or, like how Seth Rogen is kind of the 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 face of the new Ninja Turtles movie, where whenever there's news that comes out, they're always the ones doing interviews. And I think they went on record as saying that they, they wanted Gwen's universe to feel like the background of her scenes were like, it, they were like a living mood ring. 
where you could tell what her mood was based on like what the background looked like, which I think is so cool. Um, yeah, her scenes got me emotional with her dad. Miles' scene with his mom on the rooftop, like underneath the water tower, got me emotional. Um, the freaking when Peter B. Parker is like, and it, for anyone who watches New Girl, um, knowing knowing that Nick Miller, uh, Jake Johnson is playing Peter B. Parker, it helps to kind of imagine like like he brings a lot of life to that character, but he also brings a lot of his charming like Nick isms to Peter B. Parker. Because there's a sequence where he's trying to get Miles to hold his daughter, his daughter Mayday, and he's trying to explain like why he wants Miles to hold his daughter, but he can't like he can't get it out because he's so freaking awkward. And then he's finally like, he he like sh- he's he's like, I want you to hold her, so you realize like she wouldn't be here if I hadn't met you and blah 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 and like he want you know and it's a very sweet. God, dude, like, seeing Peter in this movie again was so sweet. And um, before, you know, we get too far, I also want to point out that this movie was made side by side with the third movie. So it's almost like, like, you can treat Infinity War and Endgame as separate movies, but I think they work better if you watch them back to back and you think about them as a whole story. So ultimately, I think... A lot of, not to say that this movie is without criticisms, but I feel like it's hard to fully, fully embrace a criticism of this movie, I guess, for me, without seeing the next one, because a lot of storylines, I'm sure, will come full circle and we'll see a lot more of certain characters and more more interactions and stuff like that, because... You mentioned you mentioned Hobie, uh, Spider Punk, who I personally he's my favorite like new character that they added, um, because retroactively I saw a couple of things that enforced that Hobie was always on Miles' side like from the very beginning. Do you remember the scene where they're walking through the Spider Society and he's just grabbing shit off the walls, uh, and he's like, I don't even know if this works. Blah, oh blah, yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. Turns out that was to put together the wristband for Gwen or that's what people think I just assumed he was giving Gwen his wristband um to let her like go into you know other dimensions after she got banished or whatever but it was like he also like motioned to Miles when he got caught in that little trap circle thing to like use his palms for like the electricity thing because he saw fingertips weren't working so it's like yeah dude Hobie Hobie was very cool. I'm sure we're going to see more of him in the next one because he's part of this rebel spider team that Gwen assembles at the end of this one, which we also got to talk about that, dude. The cliffhanger ending. Yeah, I feel I knew it was going to end on a cliffhanger like going in, but I feel like they like this movie just had kept going on. Like there were yeah. so many moments where I was like, they're gonna, it's gonna go to black because like, like the yeah. music comes in, it swells, and there's like a zoom in or like a they hold on someone's face, but it just right. like keeps going and going, and it's like, all right, well, when are they gonna end this thing? And right, I, I feel like they could have ended it like a tiny bit earlier, you know. I agree. Um, and then left some more of that with the next one, but yeah, I mean. 
when this third one comes out, I'm sure this one will just get even better. But yeah. it's just kind of the period. I feel like the same thing happened with Infinity War. Yeah. Where people were like, oh, well, it has to end there. And then when any like after Endgame is done, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, that was pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, like you said, I, I think I trust the people who made these movies to stick the landing and create a a really fulfilling and satisfying ending to this trilogy so that we are left with what I'm sure many people will call the single best superhero trilogy of all time. Yeah. Which is crazy to think that we're kind of in the middle of that right now, but I also don't want to set my expectations too high, you know, because I feel like that only hurts a movie's release. Oh, one last thing. I want to talk about the fucking music in this movie, um, which I feel like they only brought up a notch since the last one, because obviously you have the Prowler theme, which people have been using recently in like Goku memes, where you'll hear that and you'll have the Xenoverse 2 Goku like flash on screen for a second in scenes where like he gets tapped by a rock from Krillin or whatever and then it cuts to a gameplay of him beating the shit out of Krillin and fighters you know it's just like that funny yeah so um, Miguel's theme was very cool Um, it was very similar to the the Prowler theme but it was like a little bit more I don't know, like, frantic. There was a lot more going on. Uh, Gwen's theme is fucking ripped. Uh, and that whole intro with her playing the drums, I feel like it was hard to hear the audio sometimes. That might have just yeah. been our theater. It started to look really quiet. That was weird. Yeah, but that that intro was really cool. Um, just recounting the first movie, but from her perspective. Um, and uh, the spots theme was very menacing that whole sequence where he absorbs the the like collider energy and he basically turns into a sketch and he's like glitching out and stuff but not glitching out um yeah dude speaking of glitching out okay this is the last last thing apparently there was a little bit of foreshadowing for the fact that miles wasn't supposed to be spider-man because the spider in, in Into the Spider-Verse, as it's crawling down the ceiling, it starts to glitch. And I thought that was just, like, an artistic thing. Mm. But it's because it's not from that universe. Wow. So it was it was glitching. And then when... um, And then I saw someone else point this out, too. When he's talking to the original Spider-Man, the blonde one, and he feels his spider sense go off, his goes off first, and on one side it's purple, and on one side it's green... And then it cuts to Spider-Man, and his is red and blue. And then it cuts back to Miles, and his colors turn to red and blue. So someone was like, oh, that's because the fate of that spider was supposed to happen in the universe where Miles, you know, that universe, like, at the end of Across the Spider-Verse, you see a lot of the color palette of uh, Universe 42 is, like, green and purple, like the Prowler colors. So in that moment and into the Spider-Verse, it was the fate of that spider changing from, like, the Prowler to Spider-Man. Thinking with your head and shit, well. <laughs> bro. Anyway. Um, Man, between I am this excited. 
And Spider-Man 2, the game coming out later this year. Man, we eating yep. good. We eating good Spider- as hell. Spider-Man, Spider-Man fans are... Dude, it's fucking Spider-Man, bro. Spider-Man <laughs> might be the best superhero ever. Goddamn, dude. Yeah. Spider-Man's so cool. He got his own Whopper. How many other superheroes can say they have their own Whopper? Um... Anyway, yeah, go check it out. Go check out Across the Spider-Verse. I know I'm going to try to drag my family to go see it, um, and I'll probably see it another two times or something, however many it takes for me to get it out of my brain. Um, <laughs> also, Andy Samberg as Ben Riley is perfect. He he brings that, like, Spider-Man noir little bit of bit of, of quirkiness to him. Where he's like on the rooftop and he's like, perfect pose. Yeah. There's something unusual happening in the alley. Better check it out. <laughs> I can only hear Jake Peralta. Anyway, um, so good stuff. Excited for the third movie. And uh, yeah, speaking of, I, I guess this whole podcast is going to feature sequels to things. Um, I guess this isn't really in a way a sequel, but it's a, it's an evolution of the band sound and the band themselves. We're of course talking about the new Foo Fighters album. Uh, but here we are. Um, and, uh, I was not ready to hear this album for the first time. Um, because I, I knew all of the singles had to do with Taylor's passing well, and like death in general. One. Because I, I know some of these are about his mom, too. So Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that his mom even passed until I opened up the CD, and it was, like, for Taylor and for Virginia. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. That's rough. Um, But, uh, yeah, so we – what was your expectations – what were your expectations for the album, like, when we got the first couple of singles? Because we got um, the first two tracks on the album released early – and like only two weeks ago, like they started releasing singles for this thing, like within a month of it releasing. I think it was the beginning of May. Yeah. Um, we got rescued. Um, we got um, under you, and then show me how, which was that was the point where you stopped listening to the singles. Um, but what what were your expectations after not having an album from them in a while, and after you know? losing their drummer uh i thought the whole album was gonna be very sad and yeah like low-key chill not very high energy and for the most part it is yeah but you know we do get some up-tempo songs in here or at least Mm -hmm. moments and yeah i was just very curious on what this thing was gonna sound like you know yeah and you know I feel like for the most part it it still it still sounds like a Foo Fighters record like it's not it's not drastically different from stuff that they've done before. In fact, I think some songs on here and we were talking about this a little bit prior to the release of the album. There are some songs on here that sound like they were written during different eras of the Foo Fighters discography. Like some of these songs sound like like, I know I heard Rescued for the first time, and I was like, oh, this was off of In Your Honor. Like, this sounds like something off that album. Or, like, Show Me How is probably my favorite song on the record. It's very melancholy, but it's it feels very, like, 
I don't know. I some people have compared it to like '90s songwriting, and I'm like, okay, this could have been off of "Color in the Shape," like "February Stars" a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. So, what did you think about like the slower songs? Because we definitely have a couple. I know, um, "The Glass" and "Beyond Me" are kind of like slower songs. Um, so what did you, what do you? I just want to say, I think that this album is the best Dave Grohl has ever sounded vocally. Mm. And I really like the way he's singing a lot of these, like the glass or, um, but it's beyond me. You know, when he's singing like really up high, I think it sounds really good. Um, a lot of catchy choruses. I'm singing a lot of songs a lot. And sure. Yeah. Despite, cause I think beyond me is probably my least favorite on here. Because I think, you know, I mentioned this in my video, but you strip away all the instruments, you leave the keys and piano, and like you can hear like any pop singer singing this song, you know. Mm. So, but yeah, um, I'm mostly all about like the beginning and the end. I think that's okay. my favorite songs. Yeah, I definitely think this this album starts off really really well. I I was listening back. Because at least, whoa, at least the first time that I listened through this album, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little, I was a little underwhelmed, just because, I I wish I hadn't listened to the singles, and I I kind of let this album unfold itself, new in in front of my ears, for the first time because, when you listen to singles from an album. I feel like at that point for me, I'm only waiting to hear the new songs because obviously I've already been listening to the singles that they released for a while. And it's just like, okay, well, how does the rest of it stack up? You know, fitting in those, those pieces. And obviously rescued is good. Under you is really good. And then I, I heard hearing voices and I was like, okay, maybe this is a little bit of a, a little bit of a dip, but that's okay. And then the title track fucking rips. Um, I love hearing a Foo Fighters song in seven, in seven four, dude. Um, just the pop 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 is very interesting to hear. And then you had the the wildness at the end with the drums going, you know. That song rips. I hate that I can barely see the text on here. Yeah, I feel like the glass is okay. I feel like the glass is. Dave Grohl doing his best Roger Waters impression. Um, I feel like it sounds like the Foo Fighters trying to write a Pink Floyd song. And um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And again, Show Me How is my favorite because it's just on every level. I know it's very simple, but I love the way that all of the instruments come together. Um, It feels a lot like some of the songs on the second disc of In Your Honor where it slows down and I, I like the drum part on that. I love the, I, I got to figure out her name, but the, the, you know, Viola the female Grohl. voice on the, Oh, it's Viola. Yeah. Is that his daughter? I'm assuming. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know it was his daughter. I thought it was the same woman that sang on in your honor, but I guess, I guess not. Nope. Interesting. It's all the girls. Honestly, that makes it that makes it a little bit better for me. Um, 
Yeah, and then I think that's where the album kind of loses me because Beyond Me is like, like you said, I, I feel like you could have a bunch of different people singing it. And for me, it came off across as like, they, and I, I, I don't think this is the case, but it sounded like they were trying to write a song that would be played during like an in memoriam part of like an award show. You know, it almost sounded like you would see a slideshow of like a person's life along to that song. Um, and it was written to sound that way. Um, and the teacher, uh, I thought, I thought the teacher was a little boring. I, it, 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 I feel like when it comes to 10 minute songs, that might not be the band's strong suit. Um, because every section kind of felt like a little same, same, like obviously the first section and the last section are a little bit slower, but the middle section, like the seven minutes at the beginning, you know, in the middle, I feel like is just the first two sections, but sped up a little bit more with heavier guitars. Like, I don't, I don't feel like it changes a whole lot throughout the, over the course of the 10 minutes to justify being that goddamn long. Um, so at a certain point, I was just waiting for it to be over and listening for any like really cool parts. Um, and then rest was just a lot of noise, um, which I feel like was the point to feel like cathartic. And I like the the effect of turning the gain all the way up on the instruments, on the guitars and the voice and the, the drums. Um, because I feel like Dave Grohl and like the rest of the band, I feel like they really were working through a lot of emotions on this album. And so, you know, just like when you're working through emotions in real life, some, some parts of it are going to be a little ugly and they're not going to be very pretty or polished. And it's just nice to get them out, you know? And I feel like that's what this song kind of represents is like the, the anguish and the grief of, processing all of these complicated emotions and just wanting to get shit out, you know? Um, so some songs here work really, really well and make me super sad. And some songs on here are just like, okay, well, you know, I hope that was, I, I hope that like felt cathartic to like write down and let out and, and stuff like that. So I think I would have to go back and listen to medicine because on, at the end of the day, like, I think at a certain point I have to look at this objectively because as much as I want to be like, I'm a Foo Fighters fan and like losing Taylor was like obviously terrible and like, you know, it's a very traumatic thing, but like musically and production wise, you know, obviously there are better albums from the Foo Fighters. Um, so I'm like, I don't know, it, it'll, it'll, it'll grow, it'll grow on me, I'm sure. And just like any album that they put out. I know I'm doing a lot of talking here. Um, so sorry for not giving you a whole lot of wiggle room, but, um, I just, I, I just put out a video today talking about this album. So, yeah. So if you want to hear David's in depth, uh, response, basically we have the exact opposite opinion on these songs. All the songs that you said dipped down. Those are my favorite. I fucking love hearing voices. Um, that shit got stuck in my head so hard. And like the ending of that song, want to like morphs into it sounding like you just being in the recording studio that was yeah. really cool the teacher bar none my favorite song on here um rough especially like when it gets to like that seven minute mark 
and uh, that little lead that comes in when the drums come back in, oh, it sounds so damn good. Mm. And I really like Rest. I, I just kind of wish it stayed clean instead of going back to heavy because the teacher kind of ended really heavy. Yeah. And then this should have just been like, this is the outro. And not like, oh, shit, we're going up again. Right. But, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, that's kind of poetic in a way. Because this album, we we both, as Foo Fighters fans, we found different songs on here that we really gravitated towards. And, like, I don't think that ever happens. I don't think there's ever an album that comes out where we have, like, opposite opinions on certain songs. But, like, you put those opinions together and it creates a perfect album. I think I think that's funny. That... Yeah... You know, maybe this album wasn't made for anyone in particular, and I think that's the point. Again, is just like we're gonna put stuff out there, and we're gonna write down our thoughts and our feelings and stuff, and then whatever you guys latch onto, like, you know, it's out of our control at that point. So there, there is a beauty to that, and there's a beauty to to <coughs> grief and and you know, are you burping in the middle of my beauty speech? Yeah, sure did. Okay. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to pop this in every once in a while because there are some really good songs on here. Um, and uh, on, my, on my long car rides, I was listening to a couple of Foo Fighters albums. And, um, you know, this, this definitely, it doesn't, it doesn't stand out, but it fits well within the the pantheon of Foo Fighters albums. Yeah, at work, I've been going through three or four Foo albums every time because yeah. I'm going to redo their ranking. Because yeah. I think... I think uh, after a band releases, like, two things after I rank them, I can go back and redo it. That's And, fair. yeah, they've... Obviously, we have this new album, and then I'm going to talk about the Dream Widow thing, and then I also am going to include Saint Cecilia, too, so... I'll have like three new, like three extra things I'll talk about. So I think it's due. But yeah, I just have to hear the first one again because I've been going backwards. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I listened to the first one. I was driving up to um, Sheboygan and I listened to the first album. And uh, yeah, I I have thoughts because I, you know, I already did my ranking. Um, I don't know where I would put, um, you know. But here we are. Uh, probably, I I I'd have to listen to Mid- Midnight again, Medicine at Midnight again. But I think this might be like one notch above it, um, just for like the highlight tracks for me. Um, I feel like I like the standout tracks here a little bit more than like the overall. But again, you know, can't say for sure right here. Indeed, I haven't really thought about it. So anyway, keep an eye out for David's updated Foo Fighters ranking video, which I'm sure is coming out uh, whenever. Next week. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, so by the time this video goes up, it'll be out. Yeah, um, So yeah, go check that out. Um, okay, well, I guess uh, in the spirit of sequels and hyped hyped sequels, we got we to gotta at least dip our toes a little bit into uh what i'm sure david would would say took up 90 percent of his life in the last 
I don't know, month since it's come out? Um, yeah, I have at least 80 hours in Tears of the Kingdom, which I'll, some people have a lot more, but like those people just don't touch grass, I guess, because my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and the lead up to this game, bro, I was like, man, my life is going to change forever. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, cause yeah, I remember that. I couldn't even like fathom anything else coming out after this game. Right. Cause this is all I was going to be doing. And I think that has led me to getting really annoyed at this fucking game. Cause it is so much harder than breath of the wild. Mm. So much harder. That's what I hear. That's I, I hear everyone and their moms on TikTok are doing videos about how they miss the guardians. Um, and how, like, before, Korox would be like, oh, shoot your arrow at my balloon. And now they're like, build me a Ford F-150. Well, <laughs> some uh, there's a hundred of those bastards that, like, you have to take them to their friend. There's a hundred of those fucking things. So, but yeah, the, the simpler ones are still here. They they did add a couple. Uh, they got rid of the apple in the trees one where you have to match the trees. That's gone. Mm-hmm. They added this other one where you have to, like... It's a lot of physics, okay? There's everything in this game is physics, and it's yeah. it gets so crazy sometimes. I swear. But like, did you hear that the the last year of product, like the game was in a finished state a year before it released, but they wanted that extra year to polish up the physics. Makes sense because that's that's all you're doing in the entire game is fucking yeah. with like the way shit moves and everything. It's yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I, along with everyone else, we mourn Rivali's Gale so damn hard, man. Everyone misses it. I miss Mifa. I miss Daruk, man. All those abilities made that fucking Breath of the Wild so easy. And it's all gone. The only, you don't even have any, uh, the only thing you can fuck with the enemies in this one is like the time. Like if they throw something at you. You can reverse it, but that's about it. Yeah. Like, and they gave the motherfuckers armor, and you have to like hit them with rock weapons, otherwise it never breaks. Or hit them with bombs. No more bombs. You got to use bomb arrows, man. No more oh, uh, elemental weapons or arrows. You got to fuse everything. Like it's it's a lot more brain thinking. Like, what am I gonna do? And like, how do I wow. att- approach the situation? Um, yeah. And that leads to very frustrating things. But, man. This game, like, they heard everyone bitching about Breath of the Wild, like, being too different from OG Zelda games and too easy. And they took all that in and they made it really hard. Like, a stupid-ass moblin hits you with a stick and it takes away eight hearts. Like, it's fucking crazy. Oh, my God. Um, Everything in this game costs so many rupees. Like, you have to pay rupees to upgrade your clothes. You got to pay to uh, get your house, all the rooms. You got to fucking pay to, uh, I don't know, man. You got to pay a lot of shit. They cut down how much you get. So it's like a pain in the ass to get rupees in this game. There's a million side quests. The the map, is, yes, the, the surface is different. But the whole sky and then the depths are fucking crazy. So there's three levels to this goddamn map. This game is massive. Like I said, I'm 80 hours in. I'm not even 10% done with Koroks. 
I only have like 70% of the shrines and I have like 30% of the underground lit up. Like oh that's how little, that's how much I still have to do. And like there's so many side quests. It's fucking crazy. It's going to take so damn long to 100% this game, but I will God do it. damn, dude. And we're, and we're adults now, so it's going to only get harder to like find time yeah. to do that. Son of a bitch! It's it's gonna I, take uh, a fat while. I do not envy you. I I have not bought Tears of the Kingdom yet because I'm still working on Breath of the Wild myself. And obviously, in the last like week and a half, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of you know. I had I had downtime in hotels, but that was pretty much just to to go to sleep and then get up, and, you know, be out of the hotel the next morning. So I'm I'm still working on beating Ganon the first time, and. I was on Breath of, or I was on Tears of the Kingdom TikTok for a little bit. Now TikTok is flooded with Spider Verse stuff, so I don't have to worry about seeing a whole lot more. Uh, you know, Breath of the, not not that like Tears of the Kingdom has any spoilers, but you know, like the story is still there. Like I feel like the basic story of every Zelda game is it's the same, and it just comes. It's like a Mario game, you know. It's like. The plot only dictates where you play, you know? Like, the plot isn't, like, this ground-shaking, like, oh, Zelda's actually been the bad guy this whole time, and Ganon's the one that you have to save, you know? It's not any of that shit. It's just, like, lore that's explaining how you got there, which you might not even see on your first playthrough. Yeah, because it's, like, cutscenes and shit you have to unlock. I think, uh, I think I saw an interview where they basically said they wrote the story after, like, Everything like the story was the last thing they did, so because yeah. it very much is like focused on this fusing and the ultra hand and creating shit. And like everyone's seen like a, a million videos of like people going insano style in this game, building oh, yeah, like creating fucking like and stuff. death cages for these bokoblins and like fucking like actually torturing <laughs> Koroks and shit. Like it's crazy, it's crazy. Yeah. This game is gonna be like infinitely, infinitely replayable. Yeah, which is why I'm so excited to eventually get to it. Um, but do you know what else fucking came out? We got, I still have to work through Resident Evil 4 Remake. Street Fighter 6 just came out where apparently you can you can fight literally anyone in the overworld. So you could like, tying it back to Zelda, you restore food, like you restore health by buying food. So you go to like a hot dog stand and you buy food from the hot dog guy and you eat them like six at a time. And then you could just square up with the hot dog vendor and fight him. <laughs> you, you can fun. fight. You can fight old ladies on the sidewalk. You could fight like everyone has a fucking health bar. And you could just like <laughs> dap them up and then fight them. Because um, the only fighting game story I ever played was like Mortal Kombat 10, and yeah. the whole time it was just a cutscene: fight this guy, cutscene, fight right. this. So what? You just like yeah. walk around. It's like open world, but you can just like beat the shit out of people. So the basic premise is like you have the arcade mode and you have your online modes where you can fight as like actual fighters and stuff. But the story mode or like this the circuit is you create your own fighter and then you you train with different Street Fighter characters to unlock their moves. Kind of like how fighters did it, where you you had to fight with Goku to like get the Kamehameha or whatever, or not fighters Xenoverse I think. Um, and you know, there's a hub where you you run around in the real world and you go to like different locations where these fighters are. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, so that's that's the story is just like you rising up the ranks as a, as a street fighter. That sounds um, fun. Too bad I have no time for that. Yeah, well, I don't have a PS5, uh, so I am not gonna suffer through the PS4 version. Dude, you know what? I'm probably gonna get a PS5 when Spider-Man Two comes out. It's probably gonna take that long. I mean, I think it's coming out in like October. So okay, birthday. Yeah, that's for your birthday. Birthday. They do. PS5 they do exist birthday? now. They exist finally after like three years. Yeah, after all of the fucking you know anticipation and also like cleaning up the PS5, I guess. But, yeah. but whatever, man. I'm starting. I had the thought recently. I was like, do people still play their PS3s? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's like they do if they want to play go- uh, more uh, Metal Gear Solid Four. Not for long. I don't know if you saw that. Um, That's three. That PlayStation. That's three. Oh. Uh, Snake Eater. The fourth one is still only playable on the PS3. It's crazy. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so I'm glad that you're having fun with Tears of the Kingdom. I'm, whenever you- it's half fun, half oh my god, I hate this. But yeah. that's that's me with any game ever. Like if I die, I'm like fuck this game. This is the worst thing ever. But that's just <laughs> how I cope with it. It, it yeah. really is like really damn good. It's just man. It, it's just going to take so much longer than Breath of the Wild to finish. Because, like yeah. I said, it is a much harder game. Which is why I do not envy your position, because I still have a bunch of games that I still got to beat. Um, like, it's it's really cool, because, like, all the amiibo shit that you had to, like, yeah. buy from, like, Breath of the Wild, all that crap you get, you can find in the game, just, like, in the depths. Oh. But some of them are a nightmare. Like, Majora's Mask especially yeah because that shit is broken in the game you put it on and nothing nothing is like hostile to you like you can hide from anything and in this game to get that fucking thing you have to fight a whole coliseum of lionels oh my god you fight like have you seen the fucking donkey video the second one not yet oh because he he does it in the gate the video like they just keep they keep throwing lionels at you like it's fucking nuts it's crazy it's a fucking crazy game. Son of a bitch. And I can't well, wait to keep I, playing it today. Yeah, so I, I I, won't keep you from playing Tears of the Kingdom and suffering through that. I um, should probably change out of my dog mom outfit and uh, and shower before getting through the rest of my day. But we want to thank you for sticking around and coming back to the Cars Pod and being our lovely passengers once again. After waiting for a while, obviously, you know, David and I both have been going through, we've been going through something, however many, 368 days, blah, blah, blah. You don't listen to Kendrick Lamar. No. Okay. So, anyway, thank you all, lovely passengers, for hanging out and stopping by. We hope you enjoyed the ride and got to your destination safely. My name is Nick Scarpin Auto. I'm David Kabushi Cars. And this is the Too Bad We Didn't Get Into Cars podcast, soon to be sponsored by Doritos. Doritos, once you finish your Spider-Man burger, rip open a bag of these fuckers and take a bite. And take and take a bite. I'm-